Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, Sunday, March 14th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers coming off a loss against the Washington Capitals. Lost to the Capitals three times this week. Last Sunday, they lost on Thursday, and they lost last night to the Caps once again. Flyers got to find a way to turn the tide on this season, and they got to figure out how to do that pretty darn soon. Because while they are struggling right now, 5-5 five and five in their last 10, lost two straight, the teams at the top of the division are steaming right now. The Caps have now won four straight. The Islanders, who have the top spot in the division, and now 40 points through 28 games, have won eight straight. And the Penguins have won five straight. Meanwhile, the Flyers have lost ground over the past couple of weeks, and they need to find a way to stem the tide, start getting points in the standings. Uh, joining us right now to break down a four-game homestand, which was not good. Uh, the result wasn't good, that's for sure, is uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and, uh, and HockeyBuzz.com writer Bill Meltzer. Bill, um, another frustrating game. Um, I've used the analogy that they're digging a hole with a backhoe. They're trying to fill in the hole with a spoon. It bit him again. Can't do that. No, absolutely not. You you know, you're down three goals, third period. You know, I mean, they, the comeback bids are nice, you know, but I mean, even, even if one of them would succeed, it's just, you know, it's, it's not an MO to, to have any kind of success, particularly against, you know, particularly against top opposition, you know, and, it's the same things, Jason, that seem, that seem to pop up over and over and over again and digging the holes, too. So it's, you know, they, it, it's very frustrating. You know, I mean, whether it's not taking care of the puck, um, you know, whether it's uh, back-checking support that, that's late to arrive or, you know, or, or coverage breakdowns, um, whether it's giving up a goal, Right after you score one, which has been a problem. Really. Twelve times this year, Bill, lead the NHL within two minutes. Yeah, yeah. and I mean that's uh, that, that's going to just it's just going to torpedo any momentum you have. It takes mm-hmm. you know particularly particularly when you've been down by a goal or two goals and you fight back and you get one, you give it right back. I mean that, that just that just takes a wind out of a team's sails, and it, it happens way too often. You know, it, 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 every once in a while you get a bad bounce or something, but I mean. You know, it's, it's happened way too much to, to chalk it up to that. Um, you know, we, we look at this game tonight, and there was an opportunity on the power play in the second period. And the power play is a little bit better of late. Mm-hmm. But there was an opportunity in the second period to tie up the game on the power play. Um, other than one really nice entry, the power play went nowhere. You, you take a penalty, and then, you know, you have two failed clears, and, you know, the next thing you know – Backstrom works the puck to Ovechkin. Ovechkin does what Ovechkin does, and you you go get out of the second period by the same two goals you were down. I mean that's uh, you know that that's not a model for success, and you know and also at least you know and that wasn't the case until recently, but the recent goaltending performances have not been up to par either. So that's yeah. you know, I mean I know I know Elaine Vigneault talked after the game about the team trending in the right way, and in certain areas they are. Um, I just said the power play is starting to come around a little bit again overall you know still has a ways to go to get there um you know they've started to spread the scoring around a little bit again uh Konechny looks like he's starting to score some goals again um Nolan Patrick finally got off the schneid uh you know Shane Goss is red hot offensively right now he's you know yeah. he's on a, he's on a, tear, a goal scoring tear right now 
Provorov got one the other night. So it's not just only, you know, JVR and uh, Farabee scoring, and, and Giroux's had a couple of important goals recently. So, you know, you need to spread the offense around. So in, in that area, it's better. Uh, I know you talked in yesterday's show about how, you know, really quantity of shots really doesn't mean anything. It's all about it's all about quality, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the, the forechecking process, and bet, you know, it, it's gotten better at times. It, you know, they're creating some turnovers, second and third, you know, second and third efforts sometimes in the offensive zone, but although not, not consistently for stretches of games, that's true, but, but for entire games, not really. So, you know, uh, in terms of trending the right way, I think certain things are, but in the, in the bigger picture, there's a whole lot that's not, and that's why they've gotten the results they've been getting. Yeah, Bill, it's amazing. Over their last 10 games, they're, they're averaging over 35 shots a game. Uh, they're averaging only giving up 25 shots per game, but they have a record of five and five. And again, it's not about you know the amount of shots; it's the quality, chances, and opportunities. And you know, in the, in the game the other night, when Connecting had the power play goal and that threw 14 shots on goal, or they had 19 shots on goal, the Capitals had 14. By my count, just kind of as I was going. I had the Capitals at five high-danger scoring chances. Not even all of them were shots on goal, but high-danger chances. The Flyers had two. One of them hit the crossbar, and then subsequently Konechny scored from uh, you know, the, the house on the power play. Other than that, they had 19 shots, but seven of them were, were not high-quality shots. Um, they found a new way, though, to give up a goal in this game, which I really didn't like. And it's when Nicholas Albe-Kubel doesn't enter the ice until 19 seconds into a shift. The puck comes into the neutral. It's the second goal that Washington scores. The puck comes into the neutral zone. And I know he was on a different line before that because there was, I think, a penalty kill or a power play or something. And there was different combinations. Um, But the full wholesale line change happens as they chip it across the ice to Sandheim. He then kind of rags it into the Washington zone. It's a one-on-four. He chips it deep. Um, Washington regroups, goes all the way down the other end, actually gets in on their forecheck a little bit. And eventually the Flyers thwart that and they start a breakout. And they start to break out up the left side of their own D zone. They come across. They throw the puck to the right side where the right winger is going to be. Problem, problem is the right winger is now jumping onto the ice. Nineteen. I went back and looked at it. I timed it. 19 seconds into a shift. And then he's trailing the play. It ends up in the back of your net. Um, that can't happen. The, these no. are self-inflicted wounds. And first of all, Let's clear this up. It's the player's responsibility to know when to go on the ice. I know a lot of people want to blame. That's bad coaching. I, this isn't peewee hockey. The coach isn't tapping you saying, yeah, your shift now. You got this guy. No, no, no. And I know the shifts were different before. You got to know when to jump on the ice. You got to know what guy you have and, and avoid too many men penalties, number one. Number two, when you look at this situation, you just can't have these kind of mistakes. When things aren't going well, those mistakes lose you games. And that can't happen. No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. We're talking about just basic being mentally into a game, being situationally aware. Yep. You know, um, you know, you have to know who's your guy to cover. You have to know when to jump onto the ice. You have to, I mean, just, just basic things. They're really... You have to know when to get off the ice, too. Like, yeah. when you come in for a shift, don't turn and not go. You know? Right. Commit to it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and if you're going for you know and you know you need a change behind the play get the puck in deep and get off the ice don't try to skate through four guys i mean yeah. that's that, that that's not a coaching thing that's not a system thing that's just playing smart hockey and and they don't you know they don't do it on a consistent basis you know they have they have some guys who 
you know, one of the biggest improvements the team had last year, and I want to I want to look at some of these numbers because I don't, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but one of the biggest improvements the Flyers had as a team from 2018-19 to last year was the shift time. Yep. Players were skating the same number of shifts, but they cut their shift by about three seconds per shift. So they're fresher, you know, you're fresher in the third period, you know, right, right on down the line. Um, I, I notice a lot of guys are overstaying shifts and latent shifts are making risky plays. I mean, you know, uh, that's one of the areas, you know, I mean, and he's not the only culprit, but that's one of the areas where I think Kevin Hayes has taken a little bit of a back turn this year where totally you know, agree. He'll, tr- he'll try to skate through everyone on the ice in situations where you just cannot do it. And, yeah. uh, you know, some of them are coming back and ending up in the net. Yeah, the juice not worth the squeeze. The risk is not worth the reward there because the reward is so many things and variables have to go perfectly for that to be a payoff. And too often it ends up being it's not it's not risk averse. Um, so you're absolutely right. And the shift thing, too, I think you make a great point. It's so important. And people go, oh, it's three seconds. Well, first of all, that's an average right of three seconds per shift. So it could be 19 seconds on one shift and. And the other way, and you can't get caught out there tired in this league because when you do, then then you get lazy stick penalties. You're reaching, you're hooking. That's when you get tripping penalties, and that's when plays end up in the back of your net. You got to get out there, spill it for thirty to forty seconds, and get off. Get the puck deep and get off. Yeah, and you know, and, and it also comes out of some execution things too. When you have yep. when you have an opportunity to, and that, that was the piece of the that was a piece of the second Capitals goal too. You have an opportunity to to get the puck out of the zone, you know, and the pass goes into a skate or off of off the heel of somebody's stick and it's picked off, you know, then I mean every single time you have an opportunity to clear the zone or break out and you don't, the chances yeah. of a goal against go up, the chances of a penalty go up, but the chances of just getting hemmed in and getting getting tired guys on the ice and all you can do is either ice it and the tired guys have to stay out or you end up with another defensive zone you know, chef to start. So, yeah. you know, just bad things happen. It, it, it invites trouble. Yeah, and, and that's where I want to go to next, Bill, because, like, you and I, we always discuss the details. I talked about it with Nate Prosser in yesterday's episode, too, and, and you know, the game is incredibly com- simple yet incredibly complex, and little detail plays can make the huge difference, like turning it over, you know, just inside the offensive blue line like they did in the game on Thursday uh, when Nick Aubrey Kubel tries to, kind of draw, slide a pass off to Sanheim with two guys right there. There's, that's just a, hey, pump it deep. Make them go 200 feet, and then it's going the other way. It ends up being a breakaway and a goal. You know, those kind of things, those little detail plays. But I, I want to harken back to a couple of years ago. Um, the team, I think, had lost nine straight games. Ron Hextall was the general manager, and he opted to go into the locker room and speak after the ninth straight loss or eighth straight loss. And Flyer fans were outraged. And they were even more outraged after he spoke. Because what he said at the time was, I think we're ready to break through. I think we're playing good hockey. And people were freaking out. You've lost nine straight games. How the hell can you say you're playing good? But they were. Sometimes it takes a little time for the result to catch up to the process. Is this team playing better now that the result, a positive result, will catch up to them soon? Because there are elements of their game that are much improved, better than they have been at any point this season, with the exception of goaltending. And I mean the the goal you know goaltending masks a lot of mistakes. I mean, if, mm-hmm. and if it did. Play, if the goaltending were playing lights out right now, I mean, you know, I first of all, I don't think you lose every one of these games. I think you maybe pick one or two of them off. You know, and you're playing kind of 500 hockey. I mean, that's the difference really sometimes between the top teams in the league and the teams that 
miss the playoffs. It, it, it's, you know, when you have those stretches where you're not playing especially well, are you finding ways to at least play 500 over those stretches? You know, and, and uh, you know, I mean, the Flyers are not doing that right now. But, I mean, there, there, there are things that are, you know, that we, we touched upon a little bit earlier that are, are going better with the process. But the thing that, the thing that concerns me still, you know, I mean, it, it, when you're needing four, five, six goals a night, whether it's because of breakdowns or goaltending or whatever, and that, that, that has yet to turn around, you know, they're, they're not, they're not losing. They're not losing two to one, three to two games where you draw iron three times or you run it. You know, when, when they had the, the three to one loss last Sunday, you know, Flyers played a great first period in that game. That was probably the best, one of the best 20 minutes the Flyers have played all season. Yeah. They had a really bad second period and the third period, Samsonov kind of stole it. I mean, you know, Samsonov was not all that sharp tonight, but last Sunday he was. Um, you know that that's the kind of game. You know, I, I I can say, okay, well, if you if you play like if you play like that, you know, minus that second period, hey, that was a really poor second period. But the first period and the third period, you you do that, you're going to win more often than not. I mean, I don't I don't think the process is quite to where it's going to, you know, okay, they're they're on the verge of a turnaround, but they have things they can build off of. If they can clean up some of the, these other issues that we've talked about, and obviously you need to, your goalies, you need your goalies still the most important guy on the ice. You're going to need some saves too in key situations. But yeah. you know, uh, it, 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 I, I think that uh, I think they have some building blocks here. But I, uh, you know, they're going to have to play a lot better in certain areas before I think you see that breakthrough. Yeah, that and that's the key. It's got to happen soon here, Bill. Because you look at this division yeah. and and all this, you know, it's coupled with you playing, you know, your worst result oriented hockey of the season you know by based on the five and five over the last 10 and, and all of those elements but it also combined with a period of time where the penguins have won five straight the capitals have won four straight and the islanders have won eight straight <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It, things go sideways really quick and th- they're at this stretch now with the remainder of the month you know you have the two games against the rangers uh, coming up on Monday and Wednesday then a back-to-back on Thursday where you're going to get the islanders here uh, or on the road uh for two on Thursday and Saturday. And then you're after that, you're going to come back home. You're going to take on the Islanders again for one, then New Jersey, then two with the Rangers and two with Buffalo. This period and this stretch is going to be, um, we said it was going to be very revealing. We would learn a lot. What we've learned so far is not good. What we're going to learn over this next stretch is whether they're going to be in sell mode or they're going to be in buy mode. No, sure. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know the teams they're chasing. I mean, some some teams obviously like the Islanders have a lot of games left. But um, you know, uh, <laughs> the three point games are going to. You know, there's so many three point games in the league. That's why those regulation losses will kill you. If you play a team oh, like yeah. if you're playing truthfully, you're playing Buffalo, you're playing the Rangers. You don't care for the three point game as long as you get the two. But when you're when you're in chase mode on teams, you need those regulation wins. I mean, as a result of the three losses to the Capitals here, you know, the Flyers are now nine points behind them, Yep. you know, and, um, you know, and, and it's funny because Boston is not really playing all that well against anybody but the Flyers. The, the gap that the Flyers have under that, under that playoff cutoff right now is their record against head to head against Boston. So, yeah. you know, they, um, but you do, you have, uh, you know, some of these teams are going to be playing each other head to head. So, you know, you're just hoping for no three-point games and you take care of your business on that night. Um, particularly if you're playing a team that you're chasing like the Islanders, you can beat them. You know, Boston loses on a given night. Um, 
you know, I, I, I'm curious to, I'm curious, I'd be interested to see how uh, Peter Laviolette breaks down these games because, you know, those are some really poor closeouts. The Capitals have had three straight yeah. games, even, even yeah. before they came into Philly. That has to be a little bit of a concern. You know, do, do they have, you know, as well as Samsonov played, Sam, are Samsonov and Vanacek really the goalies are going to, you know, carry you all the way through a playoff run? You know, I, I look at the Islanders and, you know, I mean, they're, they're a really tough team top to bottom. But when people talk about how the Flyers need another top-end guy on D, I mean, you know, who, who's the Islanders? Norris Trophy candidate. They don't yeah. have it. Yeah. So, you know. And they just lost Anders Lee indefinitely. Yeah. Which is yeah, a big I mean, loss like, for them. Yeah, and that's a guy who, you know, I mean, that, that's the kind of player who, that big, heavy forward who yep. dominates down low, scores all those gritty goals around the net. Those are those are tough guys to play without. I mean, he's the and and he's he's the leader in the room for them too. I mean, he's he's a critical player for the hockey team. Bill, was there any consideration to sending Hart down with the Phantoms? You know, I mean, there 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 is. We go back far enough. There's not today after what, that performance by Elliot, but prior to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you you know, he still is not. You know, he still would have to clear waivers at this point. But you know, with all those back to back games. You know, do you, do you, you know, with all, with all due respect to Alex Lyon, who just played his first game in 364 days, yeah. you know, you're you got to, a period in, too. You know, you really, you really need Carter Hart to get back on his game. I mean, even, you know, this year was, it was, it was strange. It kind of became, you know, Jim Jackson said it was a, a self fulfilling prophecy to some extent. And I, I agree. It just became like perception became reality, kind of got in Carter's head. Three of Carter's first four starts this year were really good. You know, he got off to a good start this year. And then, you know, they had the 6-1 loss to Buffalo. And I really, although Carter took a lot of heat for that game, I didn't I didn't really think maybe other than one goal, I thought maybe it was stoppable. That was really just really yeah. just hung out to dry in that game. And, you know, then we talked about the Boston games too. There were, you know, the second game against Boston, they lost in Boston. Carter was, you know, one of the guys to blame. And that's the game he broke his stick. The game before that, remember, he took a shutout into the third period there. Yeah. really... It was really the only reason Flyers are winning after two periods. And there was one goal, which was by Coyle, he'd want to have back. I mean, really, really with Carter, you know, I mean, some of it's mechanical. The the mental part of it is what concerns me a little bit right now. I, I think you need Carter. You know, I, I think you need I Carter. Do too. I, I don't I don't think, you know, I don't think you stand down Lindblom. You know, I've heard some, does he need some? No, I mean, you know, I, there, there are a lot of guys who are pressing right now. Um, you know, the, the, these are the guys who you came into the year figuring were going to be your key guys, and you need them to get through it. You know, yeah. uh, and you got to play your way through it. Exactly. You know? Exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, they got they got Phil Myers back in the lineup tonight. He's a guy who's been really struggling. I don't think he particularly took a step forward tonight, but it wasn't a step backwards either. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, these are guys you you went in counting on bigger things from, and sometimes you know, sometimes when you're going in with younger players, that you're counting on them to take that next step. Truthfully, that's uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it to the D side here. That was one of my concerns with Niskanen, where you know, with Niskanen retiring, you're relying on, on you needed Travis Sanheim to take that next step, you needed Phil Myers to take that next step. Whereas not just, I mean, what they delivered last year in that second pairing role, and you talked the other day, you know, I thought very well about, uh, you know, it, it's really about how you slot guys in the lineup, and they yeah. don't, they they don't have guys that are slotted, you know, ideally right now, and. Some of that effect is, is uh, you know, is they need more consistency out of Ivan Provorov. I mean, uh, you know, he has to get better too. So, 
you know, it's just, uh, you know, you have what you have. You, you make a trade if you can. And I, and I do think, I do think a trade is merited if you can make one, not a trade just for the sake of a trade, but a trade that actually helps the team. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have to spare, uh, you know, and asked out like a first round pick to make that trade, I think you have to do it. I don't think you, you flush a season at this point because if you wait much longer and the slide continues, then you are, you're a seller. Yeah, you absolutely are. And it going into an expansion draft and a, a lot of uncertainty coming out of a pandemic, and you want to put Butson back in those seats too. There's a business aspect to this as well. Um, and I know that Dave Scott, uh, the chairman, spoke about that, that you know they're going to do everything they can. You know, I, I thought it was really interesting a couple of days ago. It was before Thursday in Elaine Vigneault's morning availability. And Anthony Sanfilippo asked him a question. And I want to get your take on this. He asked him about, changing D pair so often how you don't want to do that because you want to develop chemistry and he asked AV about that and AV brought that up and he said you know when you play with a guy you know there's an accountability you don't want to let your partner down and you develop a bond and there's a lot of elements to that and you know it's like an offensive line like you're a group and you're a pairing and and the two of us is stronger than any of us as individuals and Elaine Vigneault brought up he said you know we have not been able to find the chemistry with this group yet We've got some other options, I believe was the way he termed it, um, and we'll get that. Now, I think he's out of options that are internal. I mean, I think he's tried just about everything short of, you know, uh, you know, getting Brad Marsh back in the skates and, and putting him out there with Provy. So, I mean, what, the way I read that was options are an acquisition. What are you hearing in that regard? You, it, I mean, we know the names that are out there. There's there's a rumor out right now, and they're just rumors until they're not, uh, that there's a, a discussions about Ekholm and Arvidsson to the Flyers for a first, a conditional second, and uh, Shane Gostaspare and uh, Eric Gustafson. Um, have you heard anything in this regard? Do you have any light you can shed on that deal? What would you think of that deal? Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I don't know why – I mean, it's the same thing with Gus and Ghost in, in the same deal. It's the same problem we have here where those two guys, just because of, you know, they're both ideally offensive zone guys, power play guys, I don't, I don't, I don't see them both going in the same deal. If yeah, I, I think were, the only reason Gus was in there was because to, for the salary dollar in, dollar out aspect of it. Right. I, I, you know, I mean, I would certainly, I would certainly see the Flyers making a push for Ekholm. You know, I, I, I think – and. You know, the first round pick is is uh, attractive, particularly if the Flyers miss the playoffs, and suddenly they're a lottery team, right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's risky, particularly you know ahead of a uh, particularly ahead of an expansion draft. I mean, the last thing you want to mm-hmm. do is move that first round pick, end up in the lottery, and then end up a situation where you know you're you're paying Seattle to not pick Eckholm. Yeah. You know, or, or, or otherwise. So you know, I, I mean, I, I think the Flyers will make that deal if they possibly can. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Arvidsson to me is uh, also an intriguing name because it's a guy who skates like the wind, uh, mm-hmm. two-time 30-goal scorer. He led the NHL in shorthanded goals one year. Um, really quick stick. If you if you look at his number of takeaways to giveaways every year, he's always on the right side of that ledger. He's got to, you know, he t- strips a lot of guys at the pocket. He takes off with it. I mean, you know, he's had offensively after his couple 30-goal years, he's been a little bit down the last two. But that's a guy he does he doesn't have the, the size and physicality element that I think is also, you know, need a little bit in the wings, but he certainly brings the speed and he certainly brings a you know a, a shorthanded threat if you if you use him on the PK. So And a palatable contract too, by the way. 
That that too. Yeah, I mean, uh, he has uh, he has some term left on it. I think three years left at four yeah, and a half. They're not a terrible cap it. So that's uh, you know that's uh, you know that 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 would be you know, that'd be an intriguing deal. And certainly, you know, Ekholm, Ekholm, although he's a left-handed shot, and and uh, you know he can play he can play either side of a pair though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a big body. He competes. He's not a although he's big. He's not you know he's not, not mean. A big yeah, yeah, not, not, not Chris Pronger. No, no, not by any means. But he, but he'll compete. <laughs> he'll go out and compete. He'll, he'll give you twenty something minutes a night. He'll play all game situations. It'll, he'll yeah. contribute some offensively too. He's about a, you know, I'd say in a good year, he's about a thirty-five point guy in a in an eighty-two game schedule. Yep. You know, so he he contributes on that side of it. Um, durable. You know, he. I mean, he brings he brings a lot of elements that you need. He helps you. You know, helps you stabilize your pairs as he. Uh, you know, uh, in an ideal world, a number two defenseman is he? You know, and not not not. I haven't heard any Drew Doughty rumors, but I'm just saying, like, if you with a big name type, yeah, Petrangelo, know? bro, yeah, he's yeah, a fit. He's not a perfect fit, but he's a fit. He's a fit. He he's a fit. He, he would come in, help stabilize the pairs. He's available. He's affordable. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, attractive elements to bringing in a player such as him. And uh, you know, I mean, truthfully, there's not a lot of time to waste here. You yeah. know, they, you got you got to you got to get this straightened out. Yeah, and you, sooner the better if you're do if you're going to do something, it's prudent to get it done. But you know, look, Nashville knows that too, and they're not yeah. gonna n- nobody's gonna bail you out. The two other guys, real quick, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, one David Savard uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, has played some right side, obviously, yeah. um, and then the other guy is Rasmus Ristolainen. What do you think of those two options? Well, I, I think Savard, good pro, you mm-hmm. know, would come in would help. Discipline player, discipline player, and you know, need for a top four guy. Very, very smart hockey player. Yep. You know, play, plays with plays with a really good hockey IQ. Um, Ristolainen is uh, has all the tools in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, he's big. You know, he he uh, he hits. He's uh, has a mean streak to him. He has some offense to his game. You know, the question with him has always been his hockey. And, you know, I think Ristolainen has been in a bad situation because he was rushed directly to the NHL, yeah, way out of the draft, on a bad team, stuck, they put him right in playing 20-something minutes a night. Toxic 40, environment. Yeah, toxic environment, just, just a, you know, just a feeling of hopelessness. And, you know, he's, he's really struggled. But to me, you know, and I've, I've only watched a couple of Buffalo games other than the one against the Flyers, um, you know, is the... Has he has he been that number true number one pair guy that he was touted as? No, he has not. But I mean, you know, I, I mean, in some ways, it's a little bit like Phil Myers right now, where you know it's been a step up, a step back. I would take Ristolainen on my team in a heartbeat. I, I love I love the toolbox, you know, that he has just he has a a, a lot of things in his arsenal. Um, I would love him in this city, Bill. Oh, absolutely, because he, <laughs> he does play that mean physical game. Mm-hmm on the power play too so yeah even if you even if you're dealing with some you know some you know some brain cramps at times i guess you could call it yep. some coverage breakdown some turnovers he'll turn over his share of fucks he also brings a lot of good things to a team too and um i also think it takes a little pressure off of myers and plus you plus you get the little you, you can do the left right thing too exactly he, he's a classic what i call a cos player yeah. a guy in need of a cos a change of scenery <laughs> <laughs> and it could, it, I mean, it just it hasn't been a great situation there. I mean, you're seeing 
similar issues with Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin, and you won't find two more talented players at the top of drafts. And I'll put it this way too, Jason. Let's say the Flyers. You know, let's say the Flyers do get into the playoffs. Do you want to? Do you want to go up against a guy like Ristolainen uh, in a seven-game series against a team like Boston or or the Caps or because everybody's looking that day, right? Yeah. You want to go against him in a seven-game series, or you want him on your side, banging guys around, yeah. having other guys ticked off at him? You know, I, to me, to me, that's an easy choice, right? Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, when you're when you're in the need of a change of scenery, and it's been like it's been for him in Buffalo, to come to a city like this that appreciates the identity that he brings, he'll swell with that. That'll swell him, and and it'll give him confidence because this city will embrace him immediately. Because a couple of reasons, he fills the needs, and he also plays to the city's identity. Even though I think that's hokey, the whole identity thing of the city and blue collar. Are you Philly enough? You know all that crap, but um, but. That could help a player like him immediately and ingratiate himself to the city, and that can make a player feel good. Absolutely, he's, can. he's never been in. He's never played in a situation where he's been on a team that's even been in a playoff chase. Yeah, you know, with with a month to go in the season, I, I think just that alone would be, uh, you know, would be invigorating. A, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would. I would you have to think. Um, last thing for you, Bill. Um, you know what happens when the team's not running good, and there's always periods in a season when a team hits a, hits a skid and you know scuffles for a while. But you know how social media is, and and people like to go after Giroux and leadership and and those elements. And I made the point earlier tonight. Somebody was questioning it, and I, I think it's an important point to make. You've never hear, heard a guy that he played with that's ever questioned his leadership. And when guys leave, that's when they'll question those kind of things, and. You've never heard a peep of that in his career. Um, the leadership group's got to be a big part of leading them out of this right now. It, they really do. It, the coach can go crazy till he's blue in the face, peel the paint off the walls. And I think Elaine's more, he's a savvy guy. I think he's more, hey, when we're struggling is when I hug you. When you're going well is when, I get, when I'm hard on you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some coaches are like that. Hitch was like that, from what I understand, from Bundy. Um, but the leadership group is going to be a big part of this, isn't it? It, it has to be, you know. I mean, they're, uh, you know, Drew and I were talking about how the group likes to, you know, they like to play for one another. I mean, you know, you, uh, you have to prove it on the ice. They showed it last season. You know, I mean, the Flyers had that stretch, you know, now it seems like a long time ago where they didn't lose back-to-back games for, you know, a long, long period of time. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they, I, I think that I mean it has it has to come from that group. I mean, you need you need uh, you need some forwards to do. You need you need some guys on D to do that too. Um, you know, and and I think that uh, you know it has to be a key guy. It has to be a guy who plays a lot of minutes. I, I think that uh, you know I think like a guy like Justin Braun is a solid pro, but uh, you know when you have a guy who's playing every game situation twenty something minutes nights, and we're coming back to Niskanen again here, right? Yeah. But that the kind of player who's won a cup. Who can you know give you a, a stabilizing shift when you need that? Um, you know he was selectively physical. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. this could be mean when he had to be. Yeah, like, you know, he was, like, <laughs> sneaky mean. Yeah, like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like the thing on Gallagher, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, when you needed a guy who just who could, you know, who could do that from time to time, he would do that. Um, you know, they they need that. They need a guy in the blue line who brings that element too. So. You know, and the guys that we were talking about really are, you know, they're they're part of the group. I don't I don't think they bring, you know, they, they don't bring some of the cash of having a, a 
you know, Stanley Cup or, or being that, that veteran leader, but you can't have everything. You check as many boxes as you can. Or the demeanor. Yeah, that's something I think they could use, too. They could use a guy on D who brings some of that leadership element, too. Yeah, you know what's funny? Uh, you know, Matt Niskanen, as just Matt Niskanen as a solo entity, he's a good hockey player, but he's not Drew Doughty. He's not Alex Petrangelo, you know? It's just the fit. It was right because of the influence he had on the young players, the way he could play in situations. And who would have thought a, a player that you would say was an above-average defenseman in all aspects at that point in his career? He wasn't an in-the-prime Drew Doughty or Duncan Keith, right? But the loss is so pronounced because of the the sheer amount of boxes that he checked in very capable fashion. Sure. And, he helped, and he helped live lift Provorov to a really exactly good that's the biggest box <laughs> that was the biggest one for sure well, well we'll see what happens here uh, you know maybe we make a call to Matt Niskanen and see if we can get him on the podcast and while he's playing I was telling him I thought he'd be a great coach maybe I'll tell him now that he's not playing he should be he'd be a great player <laughs> uh, well we'll see what happens this week Bill it's going to be an intriguing week once again and um I, I can't wait to see what happens, but I, we all obviously hope that the result uh, is an improvement over what's been going on of late. Thanks for doing this, as always. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. I hope it uh, provided people a little comfort, like a nice uh, a nice dish of country fried steak, some southern cooking for you. Uh, cooking for the soul. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.